In the lectionary for today, we find ourselves back in the Gospel of Luke. And back in Advent, we started the third year of the three-year cycle, and that's a year that's mostly Luke. And if your memory is better than mine, and that's really pretty easy, you may remember most of those readings were from Mark. And all the nice thing about Mark is his readings are nice, they are short, they are crisp. They're written in kind of like a newspaper style. Okay. As we moved from ad, through Advent on to Christmas and the Epiphany and the baptism of Jesus and, and last week's gospel on the wedding at Cana and turning the water into wine, which was John's first sign that Jesus is the light to the world, we moved from Luke, where we were in Advent, to John. Well, the holidays are all behind us now. And we're going to be looking at Jesus in a a new way. In today's reading, Jesus is at his first day of work. We picked up at uh, verse 14 of chapter 4. But what was going on before? What was happening up to this point? In Luke, he just gives us a short little note about the baptism of Jesus. And that's probably why we read the longer version That's in John. And he goes to a list of Jesus' ancestors to show that Jesus was of the line of David back to Adam, the son of God. Now since we started with verse 14, it's reasonable to ask what was going on before we picked it up today. Well, it's the story of Jesus' 40 days in the wilderness and the temptations of the devil. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, following his baptism, was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. And for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. And we know the story. He overcame all the temptations of the devil. Jesus was preparing to go to work. Now today we read that he returned to Galilee, and a report about him had been spreading through the countryside. And he was preaching in some synagogues. And the people were praising him, doing very well. Now, when you don't preach a lot, as I don't do, you you pray a lot, but then you also cheat a lot. You go to the commentaries, and you look for things that are going to help you. And so I did that. And that helped me to find a theme, his first day of work. The second thing it did is I found this little, I'm going to call it a ditty, They call it Reader's Theater in a website that kind of leans to the more humorous side of things. But I was telling a person at at breakfast this morning, the jokes were really terrible, so I'm going to spare you from all that. So we have reader number one, and we've got reader number two. Reader number one. Today, we have the story of Jesus standing up in the synagogue in Nazareth and getting himself into a pile of trouble. Reader number two. Things seemed to be going well for him at first. The folks kind of nodded and said, well, this is Joseph's boy. We knew him well. He speaks nicely. But then everything went sour. Reader number one. It's because Jesus told told them, we are Jews. And we think we are God's chosen people. But guess what? 
God chooses others sometimes also. And he gives a couple of examples, and that's when they try to toss him over the cliff. Now, that little bit of theater goes on to verse 30, which is the gospel for next week. So I don't know what Sarah is, go Sarah is going to do next week. <laughs> but I may have given you a foretaste if she chooses to preach from the gospel. But going back, we see that Jesus' first day at work turned out badly. I mean, riling up the people to want to throw you off a cliff is really not the best of sermons. I'm kind of glad there's no cliffs down here in central Florida. I might be in trouble. But really, really, there is a lot more at play here. Each of the gospel writers presents a little different take on the beginning of Jesus' Galilean ministry. Mark essentially says he got started. Matthew adds a different prophecy from Isaiah that validates Jesus' ministry. And John goes on to cover several days of activity where a wider circle of people are beginning to hear about Jesus and understand who he is and the role that he's going to play in their lives. Now Luke, in my humble view, really portrays the launch of Jesus' ministry in terms that we can readily understand and visualize. His gospel also shows us that Jesus was a real person, not some ghostly apparition that some of the early heretics really sort of thought he was. Jesus went to his hometown, Nazareth. It's where he grew up. He entered the synagogue, and when it was his rightful turn, he began to read from the scriptures. And remember, at that time, we're talking about the Old Testament. So he chose that beautiful line from Isaiah 61. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll gave it to the attendant, and sat down. And everybody in the congregation sort of looked at him, and he spoke, and he just simply says that today the scripture that he just read has been fulfilled. The scripture has been fulfilled. It has because, number one, he said so. It has because, number two, it was true, as we have seen, we have seen in history as his ministry unfolded. And the third reason that in that society, fulfillment of scriptural prophecy was, as we would say, the gospel truth. Some of you may have seen a recent TV series that was based on the book of Acts, the early church. Now, it was not the best of TV drama, but it was interesting to get a visual of the life and the times of the early church. And, and the high priest Caiaphas was a main character in that series. 
And what really drove him nuts and what really made him angry in his dealings with the Roman leadership was if there was tangible proof to the people that prophecy had been fulfilled. So, Jesus' first day on the job turned out to be rather auspicious, even though the folks got mad at him. To his friends in Nazareth, he returned home and took his rightful place in the synagogue, just as any good Jew would do. He read from the scripture and then told the congregation of probably about this size, just a few people maybe, that he was the fulfillment of Isaiah's prophecy. And then the story really begins. It's a story of wonderment, a story of healing, of miracles, and true love, and rejection, and hostility, and condemnation, and crucifixion, and then his glorious, glorious resurrection. On his first day at work, Jesus was fully human and was treated as such. And we know the rest of the story, for he was fully human and he was fully divine. And he embarked on a three-year ministry that changed the world. I'm going to leave you with some final thoughts that were taken from another commentary. Whether or not we have read an accurate description of Jesus, say between 25 and 30 A.D., and think now in terms of the Gospel of Luke and the Book of Acts, all written by Luke, as he tells this story. It is the way that Luke represented Jesus to the Gentiles, who were increasingly turning to Christianity in the decades following the war between the Jews and Rome that went on from 66 to the year 73. Now this Jesus, this Jesus found a place in the imagination of the Roman world and eventually would claim Caesar as his disciples as well. Well then how do we, how do we represent Jesus to our world? Can the Jesus of the hymns and of our creeds still capture the imagination of 21st century persons? Do we need some latter-day Lukes to fashion fresh representations of Jesus for the third millennium? Are they going to be found in the churches? Are they going to be found beyond the boundaries of the churches? in this year, time of 24-hour news cycles and so forth, and certainly not in the newspapers and what you see written are people going to find Jesus. So where is it going to be? Where are we going to find some Latter-day Lukes? Well, perhaps in our own hearts, us, and how we interact with those with whom we work, with our friends, our neighbors, our children, Will we convey the love of Jesus that is in our hearts to them so that they can begin to capture this view of Jesus and put them into their imagination and grow the church? Talking with Sarah this morning, the the thing that seemed to impress her the most about the convention down in Melbourne was there were so many younger people. 
We've gone to previous conventions and there were lots of gray hairs like me. But there were a lot of younger people. And that's, that's hope. That's promise for the church. And she'll talk a little bit more about that in a moment. And so maybe that's where it's all going to come from. As we all present ourselves to the world as followers and believers and lovers of Christ our Lord. Amen.